Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. And grab your copy of God's Word as always, right? Never listen to a man preach lest you have your Bible out to make sure that what he is preaching is in that thing, right? And so grab your copy of God's Word, whether it's printed or whether it's digital, and uh, turn to Acts chapter 20. You know, it was wise King Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who so profoundly said, for everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. As I stand before you all this morning, it is abundantly heavy on my heart that there is indeed a season to everything. And in this instance, there is a season to come and there is a season to go. You know, it was the first Sunday of May in 2014 when I preached my final message as the pastor of West Main Baptist Church in Alexandria, Tennessee. And it was on Mother's Day, the second Sunday of May 2014, that I preached my first message as the pastor of Eastwood's South Campus. So there was a time to come. And exactly eight years later, that same scenario is playing out again on the calendar. you got to love the poetry and the symmetry of God in that regard. Exactly eight years later, on the first Sunday of May 2022, I'm preaching my final message as the pastor here. There is a time to go. And on the second Sunday, next Sunday, May 2022, I will preach, Lord willing, my first message as the lead pastor of First Baptist Church, Collinsville, Mississippi. So for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And beloved, I want to say to you this morning that the Lord's timing is impeccable. It's impeccable. Now you and I, maybe we would write the ending of this chapter differently. But always remember, you and I, as the old King James says, see through a glass darkly. In other words, we don't have the vision that the Lord has. We don't see things as clearly and as plainly as the Lord does. We don't have the perspective that he has. And so I don't trust us with these sorts of things. But I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord to write the ending to these chapters and the endings of our books, so to speak. I trust the Lord to do what is most wise. I mean, just think for a moment. If Peter could have written the ending of the chapter of Christ's life, Jesus never would have went to the cross, would he? 
He would have never risen from the grave, would he? Because if you'll remember, when Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised, what did Peter do? Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. Heaven forbid it, Lord. No way, Jesus. That's not going to happen to you. I'm not going to let that happen to you. And what was Jesus' response? <laughs> well, it was a rebuke back to Peter. And indeed, it was a stern rebuke. Do you remember what he said? Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I say to you this morning, Ben Simpson needs to hear that strong rebuke. My flesh needs to hear the strong rebuke. And perhaps you do as well. I trust the Lord to write the ending of this chapter. And I just want to ask you this morning, will you join me in trusting the Lord with this? I want to be transparent and genuine as I always am. I strive to be in front of you. Um, I barely slept a wink last night uh, because I hate saying goodbye. I hate it. I, I, I've been teary-eyed and crying all morning. I think by this point, I've already gotten it out. Uh, as I was going over the sermon this morning, I was weeping. And then as I was walked into the bathroom and saw Christy, I was weeping. And then I came in here and I had to move a couple of chairs around. And I started weeping over that. Danny Atwood, can you believe that? Crying, moving chairs. That sounds like something Danny would do. And it's just been every step of the way. And, but by this point, maybe the tears are gone. But maybe they'll come back. But nevertheless, I hate saying goodbye, y'all. I'm a softy. I'm often very sentimental. And just to be honest, Christy and I love you guys dearly. You are dear to us Often in my messages, if you'll remember, I, I call you beloved. And some of my, sometimes my kids will say, Dad, why do you say that? You say that beloved. What, what's up with that? It's because I love you guys. You are beloved. And so since I hate, since I hate saying goodbye, I'm not going to say it. So this is not goodbye, y'all. This is instead farewell. And as I was thinking about saying farewell, I couldn't get my mind off of Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Now, I know elders is kind of a strange word sometimes for us in the Baptist circles that we run in, all right, because that sounds really Presbyterian or Church of Christ or whatever. But remember, the word elder is the most used word for the office of pastor, all right? So a pastor is an elder, okay? And an elder is a pastor. And so Paul is going to say goodbye on the tail end of his third missionary journey, his final missionary journey, he was there in the port of Miletus, which is about 30 miles or so from the city of Ephesus, okay? And so he called for the Ephesian pastor elders to come see him for the final time. He wanted to say farewell. Man, he loved them. He loved them. The year was around A.D. 56. He had planted the church at Ephesus about four years earlier on the tail end of his second missionary journey. And then as he headed back out for his third missionary journey, just a couple of years later, he went back to the city of Ephesus there. And he stayed for two to three years and grew to love them very 
deeply before he traveled across the Mediterranean to go to Greece. And now on his way back across the Mediterranean, he has stopped there in the port of Miletus there on, uh, there on the, the coast. And he says, oh man, my friends from Ephesus, they're just 30 miles away. Send for them to come to the port of Miletus to see me here. Now, they would certainly hear from him again after this meeting. About five years later, he would write a letter to them that we now know as the book of Ephesians. And he would write at least two more letters to young Pastor Timothy, whom Paul had assigned to be lead pastor of the church there at Ephesus. We know those two letters as the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And undoubtedly, as Timothy read those letters, he read those with the other Ephesian elders and pastors and and the, the whole congregation. And so they heard from Paul again after seeing him here in Miletus. But this would be the last time that they would see him in person. Paul would live around another decade after this, but he never set foot back in the city of Ephesus and he never saw their faces again. And they never saw his. And so Paul sent for him, come to me in Miletus. And what did he say to them? Well, that's our text today. Acts chapter 20, beginning in the 17th verse. I want to invite you to stand this morning to honor the reading of God's word, his holy, authoritative, inerrant, infallible, sufficient word. Here's what God's word says, beginning there in the 17th verse. The word of God says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me throughout the plots of the Jews. How did I not, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And now behold, I know that None of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. Not sparing the flock and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I command you to God and to the word of his grace, 
which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I've shown you that by working hard is the way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was such weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, as we open your word here today, would you just use it to instruct us, God? We want to learn your word. We want to love your word. And then we want to live your word. Thank you for this opportunity today to proclaim the truth of the Bible. And Father, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who has never turned from sin and trusted in Jesus, would you use even a farewell message, Lord, to bring them to Christ? We ask all of this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, well, amen. Go ahead and grab your seat there this morning. I want to use, uh, listen, I, I, obviously I, I am no Apostle Paul here, Okay. Nowhere near that level, okay? But I want to use some highlights from his farewell address here as sort of a rough outline for my farewell to you today, okay? Now, Paul begins here in verse 18 and 19. He says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. I want to say to you, Eastwood, it has been a joy for my family and me to live among you every, or ever since we set foot in Alberton and Plano. Listen, when, when Christy and I, when we came here, our desire was to lead in such a way that, that we are not set, standing apart from the people, disconnected from the people. Listen, I, I know pastors that do that. I know some of even my mentors who are of an older generation. They were taught as pastors. Don't get too connected to the sheep because sheep come and go and shepherds come and go. And you don't want to make one feel like you favor them over another. So just keep your distance. Keep that professional relationship going. But I want to declare to you that I'm not a professional. I'm a pastor I'm a pastor, and a pastor is to be among the sheep and with the sheep. He's to know the sheep, and the sheep are to know him. And I have desired to have that kind of relationship with you all. I've desired to be in your homes and you to be in mine. Uh, I've desired to share meals together and our families to play together. And, of course, we've, we've served together and traveled together and, and, and done all of these things together. We have truly lived out the mission of Eastwood to develop relationships, to impact people for Christ because we've impacted one another for Christ. And what a joy it's been, man. Listen, Paul did it with all humility, it says here. <laughs> I wish I could say that. Right? You've been around me long enough to know my weaknesses and my strength. You know where I Sin and fall short of the glory of God. And oftentimes pride is one of those areas that creeps up in me. But thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your support of me. Even in those moments, it's been a, 
a true blessing as far as that goes. And yes, there have been tears and and there have been trials, not so much pastoring the South Campus, but in the machinations of the entirety of Eastwood. But nevertheless, God has been gracious even in those moments. His grace has been sufficient every time. Paul goes on here, verse 20 and verse 21. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say in verse 27, I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God's word. Guys, I hope that if there's anything that you remember about me, I hope that this would be it, right? I hope that you would say about me that, 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 that this is my goal. This is my desire. I, I want to declare the whole counsel of God's word to you. I never want to shrink away from teaching the truth of Scripture. I hope that you would say, without a doubt, Ben is a Bible preacher and teacher. Listen, praise God. Thank you. Listen, I... I've loved the opportunities to walk through verse by verse books of the Bible with you, preaching expositionally. I've also loved the times where I've I've preached on particular themes or topics for a while. And I pray you would say I didn't shy away from anything. If it was in the text, I preached it. Didn't matter if it was controversial, uncomfortable, unpopular. I preached it anyway because it was in the Word of God and it's all true. And it's all good and good for you. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the Bible's like medicine, right? It's good and good for you. I would love to take the time and list out all of the books of the Bible that I preached over the years and all the topics. But listen, time and attention (laughs) won't allow that sort of thing. The nerd in me wants to do that. But again, I just pray that you would say at the end of the day, I know the Bible better because Ben has been my pastor. I hope that not only do you know it better, but you know how to apply it more clearly, more straightforwardly. You've heard me say over and over again, the Bible is meant to be lived. And so when we understand the Word of God, we begin to love the Word of God. And then we go live out the word of God. And while you may not remember a single message over the last eight years or a preaching point or any of that, listen, I don't even remember what I preached last week. All right? But I hope you would say this. I have been well fed. I would also hope that you would say that Ben is without a doubt an evangelist. May not be my greatest spiritual gift, but it's something that I long to do. Paul told Timothy to do the work of the evangelist. And I pray that you've seen that in me, that you've heard that in my messages, that you've seen that in my leadership. As I pushed us to be a church without walls, going outside of here to where they are, that we might lead them to Christ. Never forget, beloved. We just sang it a moment ago. My hope is only Jesus. My hope is only 
Jesus. There's no hope in yourself. There's, there's no hope in others. There's no hope in the government. Jesus Christ is the only one who lived the life that you and I cannot live, died the death that you and I deserved on that cross, and arose again from the grave to provide life everlasting for every person who will turn from sin and trust in Jesus. That's where our hope is found. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There's salvation in no other name but Jesus. And so I want to take just a moment here. Again, I want to call on you who are not yet saved. If that's you, just listen to me for a moment. Listen to me one last time. If you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you turn to Him today? Won't you trust in Him today? Won't you heed the call of this pastor evangelist who is not holier than you? No, 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 no. I've just been shown grace like God is trying to show you grace. I'm just a beggar like I've said over and over again, trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. And it's not just any bread. It's the bread of life. If you will eat of this bread, you'll never hunger. And it'll spring forth into life everlasting. This bread of life is, is Jesus. Won't you receive him today? You, you don't have to wait till the invitation. Like right now, right there where you are in your heart and in your mind, cry out to God. You don't even have to do it audibly. God knows your innermost thoughts. And even when you pray in your heart and in your mind to God, ask him. Declare to him that you know that you're a sinner. That you know that Jesus is the Savior. And ask him, ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. Trust in Jesus and follow Jesus and you will be saved. Paul continues there in verse 29 and 30. He said, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw you away from the disciples after them. Beloved, listen, I, I am praying against wolves that might come in amongst you. I pray that the shepherd that eventually fills this pulpit will not be a wolf, but would instead be a faithful shepherd and I pray that he, if, as a shepherd, that if he is that shepherd, and we pray that he is, then, then I pray that he's not a hireling shepherd. Like Jesus talked about, that runs at the sign of the wolf. I'm out of here. This ain't worth it. But I pray that he would boldly stand and protect his flock from the wiles of the evil one. Paul continues in verse 24. He said, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, in talking with you ever since we made the announcement, April 10, so many of you and so many of my extended family and especially people in the community, they've asked me this one question. They've actually asked me these, these two questions. One, why are you leaving? And then the second question is, why Mississippi? <laughs> That's the question they often ask me, right? And here's the deal, y'all. I have no other answer than to say 
that in 1997, I decided to follow Jesus. Amen? He called me in to the faith. And he became my Savior and he became my Lord. And then in 1999, two years later, he called me to vocational ministry. And like Paul here, I must finish my course and my ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I've told you already back in early April, God has stirred in me for many months now. And he has led us to the state of Mississippi. And honestly, as as Paul says here in verse 22, verse 23... I don't know exactly what awaits me in Mississippi. Hopefully it's not imprisonment and and affliction like awaited Paul in Jerusalem, right? Praise God. I mean, I know there are some gators that are are awaiting me. You know what I'm saying? Did y'all know there are alligators in every county of Mississippi? Had no idea. Had no idea. The first visit I had down there, we were driving around and I asked this question. I said, so... So what out there can kill you around here? <laughs> That's an important question. I mean, you know, here you got rattlesnakes, you got, you know, a few different snakes, things like that, right? Well, they left out gators when they were telling the list of things <laughs> that will kill you. And the other day, Christy pulled up a picture of about a 13 to 16 foot alligator that was caught a couple of years ago in Lake Okatibi, which is right there near the church, right there in Collinsville. And so um, I don't know if a gator awaits me or what, but nevertheless... I, along with Paul, aspire not to account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Christy and I and our children must go, and I must preach there and testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so I just ask that you guys would pray for me and pray for us that we do that faithfully. And finally, with the first part of this message this morning, Paul says in verse 32 here, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, I commend you to God and to the scripture. If you want to hear God, All you got to do is open up the word of God. He's already spoken. It's here in this book. God has spoken. So this morning, I want to commend you to God. God is your lead shepherd. Well, I've been your pastor the whole time. He has been your shepherd. And guess what? You shall not want. God is your shepherd, and he will continue to be your shepherd. I was always destined to leave, right? All of us are in one way destined to leave. I was either going to take a church somewhere else, or I was going to retire, or I was going to die. One way or the other, I was going to leave. It was destined for me to, to, to leave. But beloved, listen, know this. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He will lead you. He will feed you. He will tend to you. He will protect you. So I commend you this morning to God. And as a reminder that God is continually with you, I have put before you this morning the Lord's Supper. 
God has given us two ordinances in Scripture. One being baptism. Baptism is a once for a lifetime thing. You should be baptized as many times as you are saved, okay? And you're saved once, so you should be baptized once. But God gave us another ordinance that symbolizes the ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why this morning I want to one more time share Lord's Supper with you. If you did not get the elements on the way in, we invite all baptized believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to eat and drink with us this morning with this. So if you're a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a member here or not, and you did not get the elements on the way in, would you just slip your hand up and we'll have men coming around right now to make sure that you get what you have. And if you need gluten-free, we have gluten-free as well. Great. Got a few more in this area right here. Here they come. Excellent. Got a few more right in here. If we need more, there's more in the cafe. Has everybody been served? Great. I want to invite Todd Bandy to come up. Todd serves as our lead deacon here at South Campus this year. And as he comes up, do we have the offertory mic for Todd? Thank you. So I want to go to the book of Luke, particularly because of the way Jesus starts out here. Here's what the Word of God says, Luke chapter 22. And when the hour came, this is the night that they're celebrating the, the feast of the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffered. In the same way, I have earnestly desired to eat, to commemorate the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ with you on this last Sunday. He continues, For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it's finished in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup when he had given thanks. He said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I'll not Drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so take the bread out. This is, to rem this is for us to remember that God is with us. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. 
This symbolizes the covenant and the sacrifice that he made to have us as his own. So I'm going to ask my brother Todd if he would ask blessing this morning over the bread. Father, as we come before you today, we thank you for the sacrifice you, you gave so that, that we could have a, a path to, to be with you someday, Lord. As we eat this bread, we thank you. Amen. Christian, take and eat all of it. And then the Lord Jesus continues. Verse 20 of Luke 22, and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, if you're not a baptized believer, we ask you to not eat with us this morning. Not because we don't like you, right? But because we want you to instead ask yourself this one question. Why have I not yet received the grace of God that is symbolized in this juice and in this cracker? Why have I not yet turned from sin and trusted Christ as my Savior? And so, but for the rest of us this morning... Todd, would you ask blessing over the cup? As we come before you again, Father, we remember that Jesus' sacrifice on that cross was for us. And, and as we take this cup, we remember the blood that was spilled so that we would be with you, have an opportunity to be with you someday, Lord. We lift you up, Lord. Be with us. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Christian, take and drink all of it. And now may the joy of the Lord carry you through knowing that he is always with you. Now, before I go today, I want to leave you with six truths to encourage you. Just quickly here, six truths to encourage you during this pastoral transition. When I announced my, my, my resignation, uh, my coming resignation on April 10. Kelly Humphrey, uh, our, our sister here, uh, she messaged me a day or two later and she said, you know, I, I was kind of bummed out. I was discouraged with your announcement. So I went to Google to find some encouragement. And lo and behold, what did she find? Well, she found an article on the Nine Marks website entitled, Six Truths to Encourage You During Pastoral Transition. She thought, man, that's exactly what I need to hear. And then she couldn't believe her eyes when she saw who the author was. Uh, it was me. I had written the article that she found, all right? And so I had written that actually in 2014 when I'd left my church in Tennessee as an article to help them in the pastoral transition. And then Nine Marks uh, read the article somehow, and they picked it up and published it in their blog. And so Kelly found it helpful and I pray this morning that you would find it helpful as well. And of course, West Main did back in the day. So here are six quick encouragements in this pastoral transition. One is this, is that God will be with this congregation at all times. I've already said this, but I want to reiterate it, okay? You're not forsaken. God is with you. He will be with this congregation. Pastors come and go. 
Only God will never leave us. Now, to help me drive this point home, knowing that um, I'm speaking of mixed ages here, right? Young and old and in the middle and all those things. My 13-year-old said, Dad, I think this could help with your point. And so he made this meme to help us understand that God will be with this congregation at all times. Here's what he came up with. I don't know if you can read that or not, but it says, Satan is sus, but God is among us. <laughs> so if that makes no sense to you, grab a teenager or a kid next to you. They will explain it all, okay? <laughs> but, 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 beloved, here's the truth. The presence of God is infinitely more vital to the life of this congregation than I will ever be. Amen. God is with you. Secondly is this. God is in control. God is in control. We are not victims. This is not a happenstance. This is God orchestrating providence that he might work all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you believe that God does that? You better. The word says it. And so this pastoral transition is not happening outside of the will of God. God is working it according to the counsel of his will. So the question is not, who is in control? God is. The question is this, will you rest in him by trusting him who is in control? That's the question. Third, is that God plans good out of this uh, transition? God plans good out of this transition. Listen, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good right now. But God has promised that he works all things to the, to, together for the good of his people, for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And so even as I say, all things work together by God for good. That includes this transition. Now, rest assured, Good is going to come from it. That's how awesome God is. Even those things that don't feel good and maybe are not good are used by God to bring about good. And it may not be the good that you thought it was going to be. Like, listen, God has way better imagination and ideas and, and, and plans than I could ever come up with. I've seen him do it over and over again. And so rest and trust that God is going to work good out of this transition. Walk forward in faith. Four, I want to encourage you by saying this. It's okay to weep. <laughs> it is okay to weep. And I've done plenty of that already this morning, all right? While good will come out of this, listen, that doesn't remove the deep sadness. Losing your pastor hurts. Leaving your flock and, and friends and family, it, it hurts. Notice how the Ephesian elders wept and Paul wept here in our text. Look at verse 30 to 36 to 38 here in Acts 20. And when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken. That they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Now, <laughs> I fully expect to see y'all's faces again, okay? Plus, here's the cool thing. My wife and kids are, have decided to continue to worship here until our house sells and until we move into our house down there, okay? So 
you will see our faces again, maybe mine less, but nevertheless, we will see each other again, Lord willing. But that doesn't make it hurt less, right? I mean, the Ephesians, they knew that God would be with them and that God was in control and he was going to bring good. But nevertheless, what did they do? They wept. And I just want to say to you this morning, it's okay to weep. It's actually, think of it this way, a way of saying thank you to both God and to one another, to your pastor and his family. Fifth, I want to encourage you in this way, ministry must go on. Ministry must go on. Did you know the Great Commission does not say, go therefore and make disciples if your pastor's there? Now, of course, you heard me say this over and over again when the East Campus pulpit was empty, when it was, when it was vacant of a full-time preacher there. I said over and over again, don't forget, Eastwood is not pastorless because Eastwood has a team of pastors that lead this congregation. And so never forget that. You will not be pastorless. You will not be leaderless. And ministry must continue in the interim. The Great Commission does not include conditionals, all right? And if I've done my job well, then I've lived up and tried to do what it says in Ephesians 4, which is not to do the work of the ministry, but to equip the saints. That's y'all to do the work of the ministry. So ministry must continue. Get to work. Stay to work. Thank you yesterday for all the ministry that you did there at the volunteer fire department and all the things that you did all over the weekend. Thank you. Keep the work going, the ministry going. And the final way I want to encourage you this morning is this. The church or this congregation must not scatter. Listen, Jesus promised that the flock would scatter at his crucifixion. And for a season that happened, didn't it? That's exactly what happened. The same thing often happens in churches during pastoral transition because, quote unquote, their pastor is no longer there. Or sometimes in the interim, ministry can kind of begin to lag or or things can kind of get confusing. But for whatever reason, folks can be tempted to just trickle out. And listen, there there are good reasons, of course, for going sometimes from a church. But this time right here, We were talking to our community group the other night. Right now is the season where it is most important for you all as a congregation to bind your hearts together. You most strongly gather for support and encouragement and and ministry to one another and to this community. And so you've got to recognize right now, y'all hear me, you've got to recognize the temptation to scatter and work more diligently to stay bound together in unity and love. Here's the deal. This is going to be a season of testing for you. You will find out in this season of testing why you really come to church. And more specifically, you're going to find out why you come to this church. I know you didn't ask for this test, but it's here. And with God's help, You will endure it and the flock will not scatter. Those are the six words of encouragement that I want to leave you with this morning. Eastwood, I want to say thank you. Thank you for eight excellent 
years. It's hard to believe that when I came, we were meeting in Plano Elementary School at 8.45 in the morning. Y'all remember that? 8.45 in the morning. And then over the years, God blessed and that was, that was Mother's Day of, of, of 2014, and then just a few weeks later in June of 2014, we broke ground on this building, and then a year later on Palm Sunday of 2015, we were in this building. And God, over the years, has almost tripled the size of this congregation. Almost tripled the size of this congregation. God has blessed this ministry. But more than numbers, he's blessed us with one another. I'm so thankful to know you all. I cannot wait to enjoy the friendships that we've made for the rest of my life. And not just for the rest of my life and my wife's life and my children's life, but into eternity. That's the promise from God. And I also can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do here. Can't wait what happens in the next season, in the next chapter of Eastwood Baptist Church's South Campus. God is so good. Amen? Amen. He's so glorious. Jesus is so magnificent. He's so worthy of our worship and so mighty to save. So here's my final prayer as the praise team comes this morning. May God bless us and bless you as we faithfully follow Jesus forward until we stand there with him in heaven. Or he stands here with us on earth. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, The straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. 
Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.